Welcome back to the Wealth Actually podcast, the show that features artists, entrepreneurs, experts, and commentators that will give you the right knowledge, planning, and guidance so you can preserve your assets and enjoy your wealth. Learn more and subscribe today at wealthactually.com. And now, here's your host, Fraser Rice. Welcome back to the Wealth Actually podcast. Today, we're joined by Peter Goodrich, who is a tax manager at the accounting firm of Prager Metis. He specializes in several industries, but he's also developed a special expertise around the tax issues with blockchain and cryptocurrency. Welcome aboard, Peter. Thank you, Fraser, for having me. Appreciate it. Before we get into the ins and outs of taxation of cryptocurrency, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into accounting. All right. Well, my background is super exciting. I started off with physics, so... A lot of nerding out here. And then at the end of the road, I said, well, I got no profession here. So I went back and I looked at my sisters. One's a doctor, the other's a lawyer. And I said, all right, I'll be the trifecta of the services industry. I'll be the accountant. Wanted to make a lot of money. So I just jumped ship. The family was completely diversified at that point. Absolutely. So you get the whole gamut of services at the Goodrich residence. (laughs) So accounting, lots of different things related to dealing with taxation of people and entities, maybe it worked with your physics background as well. How did that sort of develop into your interest into the crypto space? I basically was very analytical and I love numbers. So I felt that audit is, you know, the dark side of accounting and it's very procedural. And I have a lot of respect for the audit profession, especially with the PCAOB and public audits, SEC audits. But I said, that's not for me. I wanted to do taxation, save people money. I love helping people, building relationships. So tax was really the perfect opportunity. And I always wanted to bridge physics and accounting, but that's a very difficult job. And I know that there's much smarter people who've done it or tried to at least bridge models for forecasting and projecting numbers. Black Shoals, et cetera, but maybe one day. But that's the long-term goal. Terrific. So before we dive into the cryptocurrency world, I'm just going to do my quick little disclaimer here that nothing we're talking about constitutes investment advice. What we're talking about here are issues related to taxation around cryptocurrencies. With that out of the way, when we use the word crypto and people throw around Bitcoin and blockchain, what are we really talking about? Or how do we sort of put some guidelines or some guardrails around those terms? Basically, cryptocurrency is the way of facilitating a transaction on the blockchain. It's the way of confirming a transaction, which is basically the peer-to-peer network that allows people to send money one person to another without a middleman, even though the blockchain itself is basically the medium or the middleman, the exchanges in a way, but it allows people to send money freely at a low cost with, in quotes, no middleman. So when we start thinking about that, what makes the taxation of cryptocurrencies so interesting and controversial? I've done some podcasts with some people who are around the space, and there's a lot of question about definitions. Is it a currency? Is it property? Is it a collectible? Is it something else? Is it all three or four? How do you get your arms around that? It is very nebulous what it is. So there's a bunch of different opinions, but then what you have to actually do is how the government really treats and the regulators. So from an IRS perspective, there's basically a duality to this. The IRS treats it as property, which has its own set of tax laws. And the SEC is sort of picking and choosing which ones are securities. And that has a different treatment from either gap perspective, compliance perspective, regulation perspective, but IRS treats it as property. How you classify it on balance sheets, it's all gap, it's all general accounting principles. It's esoteric, it's developing, it was the Wild West, we're getting slowly more and more information on it as the government 
is scrutinizing it and making sure that this is under control. As we step back for a second, certainly the SEC governance of cryptocurrencies and the technology around it, lots going on there. The IRS has decided that it's going to be viewed as property. Take us through a little bit about what those implications are for people. Back in the day, people would just trade crypto for crypto. Yeah, Bitcoin back in 2010-11, obviously was more popular as time went on, value increased. But the whole idea is when you trade crypto to crypto, or you're buying something with cryptocurrency, or you sell cryptocurrency for fiat or the government currency, you're creating taxable transactions when you do this. So that each one has a tax implication. You need to consult with the tax advisors when you do it. The IRS is now stipulating that you answer questionnaire on the tax return, whether you're invested in virtual currency. So again, they're all weighing in on it. They basically want the revenue stream, and we need to make sure that the taxpayers are reporting it. For the layman out there, when we say things are regarded as property from an IRS perspective, does that essentially put crypto transactions in the capital gains sphere as opposed to income tax or any other sort of regime? Yes, it will qualify for capital gains treatment. However, the long-term, short-term duration is determined based on you really having the cryptocurrency being dormant for a year and a day. Going from one currency to another, you're resetting the clock. Once again, you go back to short term. So if you have these day traders of the cryptocurrency, it's all going to really be short term. It's very hard to do a specific identification. The IRS wants a first in, first out type of basis. It's all about basis tracking so that when you do sell the cryptocurrency for cash or you buy something with the cryptocurrency, you really need to track the basis. That's basically the most difficult part of the cryptocurrency accounting from a tax perspective. So that's where we come in and help. So when you come in and help with somebody like that, how does that work? I mean, have you got clients that come in and say, okay, I bought Bitcoin at, let's say, one Bitcoin equals $10, and now it's up to, I'm not sure what the dollar is now, but I think it's around eight or 9000 And what you're saying is it's not necessarily as straightforward as ten to 9000 Sometimes there are intervening transactions in there that have to be kept track of so that you make that calculation between sale and basis and are able to calculate the capital gains from there. So during that climb from that appreciation, people may have converted to different alternate coins or held it. But again, each one creates a basis matter, and it could totally have a different tax implication going from the ten to 9,000 appreciation. It's when you bought it, and when you're trading from crypto to crypto, you're basically updating the basis and re- realizing taxable gain or loss at that point in time. So you basically have to model it that you're tracking on a first-in, first-out basis, and software has to come into play. It also has to come into play with working with the traders to make sure that they're doing it correctly. And just to add a wrench into the equation, mining is a whole big business too. So people are in the business of mining the coins. And when they get the coins and they farm them per se, there's ordinary income tax implications there. If you're a sole proprietor, there's self-employment tax implications if it's a business-related endeavor. Wow. Okay. Sounds expensive. It's complicated. And so on the mining front, essentially what you're saying is, is that if you're quote unquote paid an income in Bitcoin for having done the mining, and then you hold the income or you hold the Bitcoin Essentially, it's almost like being paid in stock where you get a capital gains implication on that Bitcoin if you were to dispose of it later after having paid income taxes on it for receiving your proceeds from your mining activities. So if you get paid $10,000 worth of Bitcoin for on a farming, which is, again, unheard of today unless you have these astronomically large farms and you're, you know, I know there's the Bitcoin having coming up, but your basis 
in those coins that you mine is the fair market value at the time you received it. So that, let's say the Bitcoin tanks later, you still have that tax liability when you got the $10,000 ordinary. So that you have to make sure that you plan for this, have the resources that if the market forces act adversely, you're ready for the tax liability. You have the cash to pay it. Let's go through one other example here. So let's say you did well at Bitcoin and you have a small basis. You've got a million dollars in Bitcoin and you are able to, let's say you bought a house with that taxable event, I guess, because you're disposing of the Bitcoin and buying a house with it. Or how is that treated? Basically, it's as if you've sold the cryptocurrency. So it's on the appreciation that you have to pay the capital gains tax, which would be 23.8%. As long as it's long term, again, you have a 20% long term favorable rate and the 3.8 investment income tax. So you would be paying tax on that appreciation. An interesting way to get around this, I mean, I've been reading about it, is potentially collateralizing the loan with Bitcoin so that you don't dispose of it and have those tax implications and you have the cash. There are going to be higher interest rates. Not a lot of companies do it. I don't know how long the term, you know, each loan will go. I'm sure it's on a case by case basis. This is one of the ways of planning for such a transaction. So it's at one's risk, but that may be one thing to consider. And finding that lender is going to be the real trick because with Bitcoin being so volatile, the LTV can go from 75% down to 10 real quick and then back up and down. And how do you track all that? Or, I mean, I guess it's not hard to track it, but if you're the lender, how do you feel safe that Bitcoin is actually good collateral? And just an overall picture, as it's adopting and being integrated in financial sphere and other industries, these coins may retain these values or appreciate significantly. I mean, it's impossible to predict, but a lot of people who have skin in the game, including myself, are obviously hoping for a nicer long-term appreciation. So we talked about what happens when Bitcoin appreciates. Well, we've also seen it be volatile. We just discussed that a little bit. How does Bitcoin work as far as taking losses? Does the same principle apply with having stocks with losses? Basically, it's a capital loss if you've had a depreciation of the value of the Bitcoin since you purchased it, or based on, again, when you follow the cost basis on trades that you've done, going from Bitcoin to Ethereum to Litecoin to Tezos or whatever, cryptocurrency you're working with, or Ripple or XRP, excuse me, they all have implications. And when you follow the basis, if you have a loss at the end of the day, if you got in when it was higher and you cashed out lower to fiat, yeah, you'll have a capital loss. When you have the big gains, there's some planning that can be done, such as this capital loss harvesting. You'll look for either stocks or other cryptocurrencies that can offset that were losers and you can get rid of them and offset some gains. Interesting thoughts with when you have big gains is potential contributions to different charities, whether it's a donor advised fund or private foundation, but they do have different tax implications if you donate your cryptocurrency, qualified opportunity zones. There's many ways to plan for these types of events. Really interesting. Weird question. Do wash sales issues come up? So if you were to sell out of Bitcoin and go into Ripple or something like that, does the IRS consider that sort of a wash sale type of event or is it currency to currency? It's a great question and there's no answer yet. If the IRS considers it property, wash sales apply to securities. But again, as the regulation is and as it stands, it seems that the wash sale wouldn't apply. But I think they would obviously want to target it from a tax perspective from the IRS side to actually apply wash sales to cryptocurrency, even though it's property. 
again, the guidance is very vague. There's nothing in stone right now. And I'm sure that's going to be one of the reports that are going to come out from the American Bar Association. Right. Well, we're crossing the streams. We're crossing the streams. Watch out. (laughs) (laughs) So we talked a little bit about the fact in the new IRS form, there's a box you have to check regarding transactions in cryptocurrencies, or at least I saw that somewhere. We know that for U.S. citizens that they're taxed on worldwide income. And one of the appeals of cryptocurrencies, at least initially, was being able to transact without government oversight and were able to be quiet about things, you know, sort of the Silk Road origins of Bitcoin. And obviously, the government takes a dim view of that. Aside from checking a box on cryptocurrency transactions, what else is the government looking for? And then by extension, I guess, what's the next sort of hurdle to cross as it relates to being compliant so that you don't trip yourself up in front of the IRS? What's happening now is there's no real compliance enforcement. When you're trading on exchanges like Binance and other foreign exchanges, you're really having these hot wallets abroad. So the IRS really has this 8938 form, which wants you to report income generated from offshore financial interests or other assets. The FinCEN has the foreign bank account reporting. There's no official guidance. Again, there's a letter now from the American Bar Association. They want guidance. They want clarity on it as preventative measure or an anticipatory move. It's maybe a good idea to file in the years that you've been in these cryptocurrencies that have been held abroad to report everything obviously to report the income, but to do the compliance that's regarding the foreign aspect of it. The other main issue with the IRS now that they're going after is obviously the revenue stream. People haven't disclosed it. They've sent letters to 10,000 plus taxpayers. So they're waiting probably to see how they're going to amend their returns. They've probably gotten information from the exchanges. They want to know the capital transactions that have occurred. They want this disclosure. They want the compliance. And Our job is to make sure that anybody who's been transacting in cryptocurrency is coming forth and disclosing everything. And we take the conservative approach of doing all that foreign compliance. Penalties can go up to 250K. There's imprisonment if it's found that there's tax evasion, five years. These are hefty penalties. On the lower end, if you're not found as having done any criminal activity, obviously there's probably going to be penalties and interest, but not to that severity. Well, it seems to me you either decide that you're on the grid or you're not on the grid. And for the people who want to conduct their lives in a legal compliant way, you report. Exactly. I think the idea that Bitcoin is this extra governmental panacea of currency transactions, I can't envision that really existing, especially with the idea that certainly U.S. citizens are liable for worldwide income, you have to declare. And so to do anything other than that, or to try to play reindeer games around not reporting and so on, it's just a horrible idea. Especially the fact that they've been made privy to all this transactional work and all this revenue that's being generated and not being taxed. So these taxpayers need to come forth and report it and disclose it and pay the tax. And again, there's planning that can be done around it, of course, but the disclosure is mandatory, really. Before we try to get into the vision of the future here, as it relates to the state governments and what they want to do on things, obviously, you know, if you're a New York resident or California, you know, they're going to be interested in sort of seeing this type of scenario. 
Are you getting into the planning as it relates to jurisdictional arbitrage where people who are sort of dealing with Bitcoin as a business, it might make sense to be in state income tax or capital gains tax free zones so that they're minimizing their tax bite that way? Is that something that's come up or is it something that's going to come up? I think that's just a continuous concern for all taxpayers, knowing how expensive New York City is in California, you know, being 12.6%, 13% tax is really, really high. So that's just general tax planning that if they do have these endeavors, they are thinking about going to the state tax exempt states where they'll maintain more of their money. But again, other issues come into play. Where are the accounts located? This whole nexus concept, where are your assets located, the type of property. There's a lot of planning that has to be done in this. And on the bigger picture, a lot of business enterprises are looking to go to different states to create these farms. I'm going more on the business scale now that there are these farms out there where they want to create these Bitcoin mining farms. And these farms will generate a lot of electricity and they cost a lot of money. So they'll look to go to states that will negotiate a utility credit and park their businesses there. So that's definitely something that I've seen and discussed with some people, some business owners that were looking to do these types of projects. And I recently spoke with someone that Iceland I believe that there's no utility fee over there, which I don't understand it. But if that's the way it is, I mean, that's another business move that people are probably going to make if that's the case. Well, it's interesting because those farms, as I read, they chew up so much power that you've got to go to a place with cheap power, enough capability to be able to transact and so on. It also brings up, you talked about the nexus component. And from a pure theoretical standpoint, it's really interesting to try to understand where the transaction takes place, because that ultimately leads to source income types of issues. And that's really what the state is interested in and in sort of building a good fact pattern to be able to tax these things. A lot to come. Any other thoughts on that? I guess a person's home address would be step one or where they're domiciled and where the accounts are. But is there anything that might throw a wrench in the works there? Definitely. You want to show Further in advance, you want to do this now, you want to do it way ahead of time. You definitely want to get your domicile out of the state. You want to show that, you know, you know, bank accounts, driver's licenses, your residences, you know, your real property. You can also transfer all your cryptocurrencies to cold wallets and move the cold wallets. Basically, the cold wallet is it's a device where you take it out of the exchanges. So it's basically away from the internet-based protocols. So it's another way of protecting the cryptocurrencies and also a way of showing here they're physically with me. That's one of the ways you can plan for it. So again, yeah, it's a case-by-case basis. Got to analyze all the assets of the clients and a lot of planning is involved. So as you look forward, what are some interesting trends or things to look for in the future of cryptocurrency and taxation issues around it? Before the tax issues, I think that the proof of work concept from Bitcoin, all this mining and electricity that's required, has a different application, obviously, the Bitcoin. Other currencies have proof of stake, like Ripple or XRP. In Ethereum, they all use this proof of stake concept, which doesn't require as much power. It's also decentralized. So I think there's going to always be this battle of proof of stake, proof of work concept for the peer-to-peer transactions. But more so from a tax perspective, we're just going to have to wait and see as things unfold. I know that right now, hard forks, whether they're contentious or non-contentious, all these different matters with basis tracking, official guidance on it, 
this is all in play. We're waiting for the IRS to weigh in on it so that taxpayers have more assurance on the position that they're taking on their tax returns. Brings up a big question for me. When Bitcoin, quote unquote, finally arrives, we're seeing it becoming more and more commonplace in transactions. And to me, the final hurdle is when people start accepting it for real estate. <laughs> to me, that's what I think everyone kind of believes that it's its own currency and can stand on its own weight. And I've seen examples of that abroad in Switzerland. You see listings and you see some listings in Miami and condos and a couple in New York. Do you see that becoming more widespread in the next couple of years or are people still in a wait and see mode? I believe that there's going to be a big quantum leap to tokenizing real estate, which at the end of the day, at some point in the future, anybody on the street will be able to own a piece of the Empire State Building. You're creating these fractal investors, and it's another way of generating capital. And once these cryptocurrencies are adopted and more integrated, we're definitely going to see assets being converted, all types of assets, planes, buildings, artwork. You name it. I mean, there's going to be a lot of interesting case studies and examples just to see how they play out and how future businesses work and integrate. Do you see the government accepting Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies as payment of taxes anytime soon? Or are we talking about real Jetsons type stuff here? (laughs) I think that one day they will accept it. And I think to go one step further, I think they'll have their own cryptocurrency. I think they're going to get their skin in the game and generate their own to compete. Again, it's a competition, public versus private. So I think there's going to be public coins and private coins. Peter, terrific stuff. What's the best way to stay up to date on these types of issues and what you're doing and the general direction of crypto taxation? Well, in general, I'm always browsing the internet, always reading articles, whether they're random people posting or more reputable sources. I go more towards also IRS website, just look up virtual currencies. They're constantly publishing different things, you know, as things unfold. Definitely read anything on the American Bar Association website, get an understanding of what the lawyers are all seeing in this. And it's just going to be very interesting. I think companies are even going to go public, these cryptocurrency blockchain companies. So it's going to be very interesting to see. Terrific. We've been speaking with Peter Goodrich, who's a tax manager at Prager Metis. And Peter, thank you so much for coming on. How do we keep track of your whereabouts? I'm literally right across from Penn Station. So anytime anyone's in the area, I'm happy to meet. But you can always contact me at my email and, or cell phone. I'll provide that to Fraser. And again, thank you so much for having me. But I'm always available, happy to help anybody who needs or even just provide the guidance or the next steps for somebody just to take the right path. And that's basically it. Terrific. Peter, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Fraser. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wealth Actually, hosted by Fraser Rice, author of the book Wealth Actually and a leading private wealth manager. Head on over to wealthactually.com where you can subscribe to this podcast, get your own copy of the Wealth Actually book, and connect with Fraser directly. We'll see you next time on Wealth Actually. Wealth Actually.